Hey there, Tin Drink Minimum fans. We have a special live, well, not live, it's recorded uh, audio-only show. Um, it's me, Chris. I'm here at Holmes Pizza, and I'm here with Marty Crandall from The Shins. Hello. And we're here to talk about the 20th anniversary of O Inverted World. Oh, the world's been inverted. <laughs> 20 years ago, it oh, man. became inverted, and it's oh. stayed that way. Um, it just when, got more inverted. When you first heard that like the 20th anniversary was happening, how did that make you feel? How did it make me feel? Yeah. It was kind of a wave of excitement yeah. and also uh, an intense realization of how old I am. Right, right, right. <laughs> and how much time has passed. That's exactly and how, how time passes so, so slowly but so quickly at the same time. Yeah. Because it does, a lot of it seems very yeah. familiar and close, yet it was really so long ago. That's two decades. Two decades. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to kind of take in. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just remember when I first heard the record, I mean, it was like, you, you know, I watched the movie, you know, uh, um, um, God, what's, I'm blanking now on what the Garden movie. State? Garden State. And she hands him the headphones and she said... Uh, have you ever heard the shins? They'll change your life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that that that's yeah. Like as a young as a younger man, I was in my thirties, and uh, you know, we'd just gotten out of the nineties. I was a big fan of grunge rock, you know, all the yeah, oh, yeah. and then and then all that seemed like out there was like new metal and like pop punk and mm -hmm. and uh, then along came this record and it and it changed my life. It showed me that there was like <laughs> There was like I, I I was like resound to the fact that like I you know like my parents like I had found my era of music and that's all I would listen to for the rest mm -hmm. of my life and then all of a sudden I was like oh wow there's new music out there yeah I mean in early nine I mean late nineties I guess because that came out in two thousand one before that the musical climate was kind of. Right. Was it like a limp biscuity kind of? Yeah. Was that sort of the popular oh, thing at the time? Uh, My Chemical Romance, limp okay. biscuit. So My like, Chem. Uh, what was it? Uh, Lady Marmalade was like on the on the charts. Let's 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 talk okay. about. Let, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. So the album came out June nineteenth, two thousand and one. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. So the number one movie in the country was Laura Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> That's funny. The Angelina Jolie one? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I don't think I ever saw that. The uh, television shows, the big hit shows were Friends and ER and uh, CSI had just, you know, it was like... Oh, wow. The beginning uh, of that phenomenon. We George watched Friends. I oh, mean, yeah. that was a show that we'd watch. Oh, yeah. As a band? Uh, Flake kind of watched it. Mm -hmm. Well, we all kind of lived in the same house. Well, we didn't all live there, but we all hung out in the same house. Right. So at one point, James lived there and Jesse lived there. It was the it was the rock house, you know. It was the practice place, right? Practice space, rock house. Yeah. We crushed our Takatis there, <laughs> but yeah, there was a there was a super old giant like cabinet television, yeah. the ones with the speakers on the sides. It looked like a piece of furniture. Wow! And we would watch, we would watch. We we played Nintendo sixty four and we'd watch television because there was no internet. Well, we if, wouldn't stream anything. We'd watch Friends. It's funny that you say that. So this th you talk about the video games, so. June 19th, 2001, during the summer, there wasn't really any video games that came out because like, they didn't come out in the summertime. They'd always come out in the fall. Okay. Do you know what was about to come out in that next fall? 
for video games. Was the Nintendo 64 the console at that time? The, no, not really. You're about to see why. Because that's all we played, but that's mostly mid to late 90s, yeah, so but, I don't know. Yeah, but it, uh, there, was, there was three big games about to just blast off. <laughs> so that next fall, it was Grand Theft Auto 3. Oh, wow. Okay. Halo, the first one. Oh. And Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Okay. So... We were obsessed with Halo. We had we were touring in a van at that time, mm-hmm. and we had we brought a milk crate in yeah. and a tiny TV, and put that in between the passenger seat and the driver's seat. Yeah, and then had one of those power inverters coming out of the <laughs> right. cigarette lighter. Yes, and we were playing Halo at the time. We had an Xbox and we were playing Halo on tour. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> um, so like pre this record, what what were you doing in life? What was your life like? Oh, just slacking. I was working at Bow Wow Records. I was working mm-hmm. at a record store. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yeah. In case you didn't know what R.I.P. stood for. Yeah, yeah it was really an awesome job. Uh, but slacking, you know, just playing music, yeah. drinking beer with those guys. Living in the we, house. Yeah, well, we. I lived in a couple different houses right on that same street. I lived on Maple and Silver at yeah. one point. I lived on Pine and Silver across the street from that house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I lived with Yukiko down the street, this girlfriend I had. She was in the Rondells. <laughs> wow. And then I lived... I did live in that house for a while, too. Um, I was one of the last ones, the last shins. And actually, as everyone started moving to Portland, I was, like, the last guy to finally oh, wow. be like, I gotta go. This band's gonna, like, take off without me, you know? Yeah. They were all... Jesse and James were both in Portland. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before that... Just working at a record store, slacking, drinking beer, playing video games and watching a lot of dumb movies and playing local shows. And what was the big movie you guys watched all the time? Like, like for me, for me, when I was in that in that era, it was like Friday was on all the time. Okay, you know, like what was the movie or, or watched, Pulp Fiction or Pulp Fiction? We were watching Ace Ventura's at the time. <laughs> we were so into Ace Ventura and we were yeah. so into Billy Madison. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we memorized Billy Madison and we would just speak to each other with lines from that movie. How have we never Like, people were that? so annoyed with us because we would just go into, like, Billy Madison quote mode. Oh, man. And we'd stop communicating like regular human beings and we'd just recite movies. I used to, I lo- I used to do Billy Madison like that as well. <laughs> yeah. He's all. Oh, God, I can't. I'm trying to think of the lines now, and I'm like, what are the lines? Back to school, back, back to school. Show so my dad I'm not a, a fool. fool. Yes, yes. Shampoo is better. Give me, give me my snack pack first and wash the hair. I'll be your snack pack. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yes. And then... Uh, Mortal Kombat is the best video game ever. <laughs> yeah. I disagree. Donkey Kong is the best game ever. Donkey Kong sucks. You know something? You suck. And I mean, it just... <laughs> I haven't done that in oh, yeah. years and years, but it can like just oh, yeah. just something clicks and uh, I go right back you into know, it. No, Billy, dodgeball time is also Miss Lippy's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god, I used to watch that. I remember seeing that in the theater, yeah. and it was like the greatest if shit. Being your pants is cool. Consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff on I want. See, that's like that's where I wanted to take you. I want to take you back to where you were yeah. in those times. So like I looked at so I got my uh, my copy in the mail yesterday. So in the liner notes it says you know the band is James Mercer, Marty Crandall, Neil Langford, Jesse Sandoval, but also Dave Hernandez, Melanie Crandall, and uh, is it Niels Galloway? 
Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's the guy that played trombone, I yeah. think. But Melanie Crandall played cello? Is yeah, that... my sister played cello yeah. on the record. And she's like controversially quoted or listed as Melanie Crandall, even though she was married to, D- to Dave Peterson. Her oh. name is Mel- Melanie Peterson. Oh. She's been Melanie Peterson, of course, since she's been married. So And she was then, too. We accidentally that. put her on as Melanie Crandall. <laughs> she's my sister, so of course she, that's who she was Whoops. before she was married. So we mistakenly listed her incorrectly. But yeah, my sister played cello. That guy, Niles, who James Niles. had met somewhere, okay. had played, he played trombone. He continued to play horn, I think, on a, on a later record, too. But essentially, that was it, right? The liner notes is just, yeah. the four, just us, yeah. Dave on a song, and then right. the cello and the, and the, it's French horn or something like the that? Yeah, French horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just said horns. Yeah. He does a couple, I think. And uh, if you get the new record, if you get the, uh, I got the loser edition. You explained that to me. That's a sub pop. Yeah, thing. that's a sub pop's like limited. Yeah. Color. It's usually almost always a colored pressing. So they'll do the standard black, and then when a new release comes out, they'll do a, a limited number of oh. a colored variant, and that's called the loser edition. Oh, man. And they've just done that for years. I got it. It's like baby blue with like like white. Yeah, the swirliness. On it. It's, it looks gorgeous. It is. I, I ha- don't. I haven't got one yet, but <laughs> I haven't even put it on the on the turntable yet. I, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm waiting. I ha- really haven't listened to it. I contacted Sub Pop. They've saved me some stuff, but I still haven't heard it. Still don't have anything. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when you guys first okay, so you guys are flake music, and then James kind of goes off to do this like side project, which is yeah, which became the Shins, and he like recorded it like literally like four blocks from here, right? Like across the yeah. Bridge, yeah. Well, the first seven inch he recorded on a four on a four track on a four track on a Tascam four track machine, and that was the seven inch. Oh, that wow. was like Bold City Girls and Seventh uh-huh. Rib, and there were like four songs on there. And that was a four track. Okay. Um, and that was him and Jesse. But that was, I think, at 1620, that house I was yeah. telling you about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's also like where Ethel then, Mertz grew up. <laughs> yeah. Such a weird. So that, I mean, that had kind of its own life and trajectory. And it got a lot of interest in indie wise, you know, it kind, right. it kind of got distributed by Revolver and these smaller, like, indie distros at that time. So James was kind of riding a wave, and we were like, whoa, he's getting, like, this 7-inch is getting some attention. And he was opening for shows as a two-piece. And then that's when Sub Pop kind of, like, caught wind of him. I saw, I saw a picture where him and a drummer are playing at the Dingo Bar. Yeah, him and Jesse, yeah. Yeah. They were a two-piece for probably the first six months to a year of their existence. Okay. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it wasn't that long. But their first three or four shows, I want to say, they were just a two-piece. Wow. What was, yeah. the, what was the response to that? Um, good, because he's a good songwriter, and yeah. Flake had had success, you know? Yeah. So people like his I mean, he's got a good voice. People were like, it's James's new project. And, and the songs were a little more intricate and... and right. com- like uh, composition-wise, more like interesting, I thought, yeah. than what we were doing. Flake was kind of like a not a jam band, but we right. would like we would you know we would rock out and we would like find a riff and we'd kind of like you know it was a different approach. James was trying to like craft pop songs, right. you know. So that was noticeable in that approach for the Shins, and I was like kind of jealous. I was like. Damn, I want to be in that band. <laughs> I was like, "That's good. They're good." You know, right. James broke off, and now he's writing all these crazy, like, clever songs. And well, and I and I saw an article that he was quoted in saying he was like, 
before I could I could copy people. And he goes, but once I finally figured out how to be honest with myself, I was able to write this. Yes. And in it, you know, and and I feel like that's why a lot of people are like they 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 like we were talking earlier. You were saying that they 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 are selling like the record is it's just remastered. They didn't add anything new to it. Yeah. And it's selling like crazy right now. Yeah. It. I mean, it touched a lot of people. And I think when it's when the when the 20th anniversary thing popped up, yeah. for me, it kind of had the same reaction to me. I was like, "Wow, it's it was a nostalgia rush." Right. So I think fans that might have been into us back then, because I mean the Shins have been active over the past few years, but I know that we had fans around then right. that were fans then. They're fans of those first three records, or they're fans of the first record. And seeing it pop up again as a like remaster is just a wave and a rush of nostalgia for these people. And vinyl is very popular, so there's, oh, man, there could yeah. be some people that were like, now's the time, I don't own this record. Yeah. Holy crap, it's 20 years later, I'm going to buy this one. Or I'm a record nerd, yeah. I would I buy 20th anniversaries of things. You know? you, you're the biggest record nerd I've ever <laughs> <Yeah>. seen. <laughs> like, you I know, just like, bought all these spiritualized reissues yeah. that I already had. Like if I, something comes out remastered and, and with on colored wax and a new new packaging with new liner oh. notes, I'm like I'm buying it even yeah. though I already have the original. You, and you will, you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like you always give me like great record gifts, and I'm always like, ah, oh, damn it, this is badass, so good. Uh, speaking of the vinyl, like I guess I guess it came out on vinyl in 2000. Like it didn't. You guys didn't when that record came out originally. It didn't peak on the charts, but it did. Here's the crazy thing. It did in 2012 when they issued it on vinyl. It hit 14 for two weeks on the Billboard charts. Did and it take that long for them to press it on vinyl? I, I don't know. But I could only find, I tried to look up and see, and I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, you're so wrong on all of this. No, I mean, <laughs> they they absolutely pressed it on vinyl back then, but I don't know if sure. it was selling that was probably like the it repress. might have when they repressed it. Yeah, that was the repress, I bet. But yeah. it, it hit. But I mean, we were selling CDs back then. Yeah. That was kind of... Be, yeah. Things were being pressed on vinyl, and the elite vinyl nerds were yeah. buying vinyl. But CDs were a popular medium then, for yeah. sure. I was just downloading it all on LimeWire. Yeah, <laughs> that's all or, I was. Or doing. Napster. Or Napster. See, that's the other thing that was huge for Shins yeah. was once we started kind of touring yeah. when when Napster was a thing, uh, opening for Modest Mouse, which was which were huge shows for right. us. Uh, we were we got a James had a burn CD of I think five songs like like when I goose step and new slang of course mm-hmm. was one of them and this was before the record had been recorded but he had five good demos and a new slang was one of them an old version of new slang we started to see after those like three or four shows with Modest Mouse we started to see that Napster site <laughs> people it was like the numbers of downloads of that song wow. were were kind of crazy surprising and that absolutely was another thing that sub pop kind of noticed was like whoa people are people are digging this and the, the download numbers are crazy and they're like looking at napster so, and yeah like, they were checking napster numbers that's i hilarious. mean from a record label point of view it makes sense they're all, watching they're like all, the, the buzz of underground <laughs> bands you know they're all the song zero seven four two six seven four three <laughs> old uh, new slang yeah, yeah. is doing very well on napster. and it takes 18 hours to download it <laughs> oh my gosh oh that <laughs> just thinking about that like it's how crazy like how crazy we've gone because i remember okay so how i first heard the shins is like we watched the movie i watched it with my girlfriend at the time 
and then she went she went crazy for you guys. Yeah. And I was like, you yeah, know, whatever, you know, it's not it's not really my bag. It's like, you know, not metal enough, not <laughs> yeah. not rock enough. And then like I, I had a iPod iPod uh, shuffle, and I I ran this apartment complex, and I would mow lawns, and I just remember like her music was on on the computer, so I was like whatever I'll you know, and I just remember the the what was the first song I'm trying to think, it was um, carrying is creepy maybe no, let me let me pull the track listing up it was. Not even off the first record. It was a Comet Appears. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and that was the very first song I was like, I would listen to that on my uh, my iPod. And okay. I was like, all right. I kind of like, you know, all right, I kind of like this. So then I went back and I went and listened to this record. And, of course, you know, new slang was like, you know, I was like, good Lord. How amazing. Um, I didn't know that. I just looked at this. I didn't know there was an, a, a bonus track on the Japanese version. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it says Spagnum. Es- oh yeah, Spagnum Explanade. Yeah. Which I guess means like a mossy, uh-huh. like garden walkway. He like. Okay. He told me when he named it. He was just like, yeah. I just really like both of those two words. It really has nothing to do with the lyrical content. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's look at this record. You have, you do have "Carrying Is Creepy," you have "Girl Inform Me," you have "New Slang." For the, for those days, like just all three, of, you have three songs that are bangers. The whole the whole record itself is like, you know, up there with like the Weezer Blue album, where it's just like bam, 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 and that it's blue, and that it's blue. <laughs> no, that I can blue. That I could sit there. So how people these days don't understand that. When a record comes out, like back in those days, you'd go to you'd go to Hastings or oh yeah, FI- and you listen to a record in its entirety. Yeah, but it, but it was you know you'd be like, well, there's the two songs I like, and then the others are all shit. And it, it was rare that you had a, a from beginning to end a record that you could just sit there, or you could put it on shuffle. You're like, you know, I've listened to this one all the way through. I'll just put it on shuffle now. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and well, it was definitely written and. You know the song list and all that stuff was I mean, very thought yeah. out as to like yeah. how how songs flow into the next one and mm-hmm. it was written as an album. You know, yeah. it wasn't just a couple singles and filler. You know, which is what you're describing. Right. A lot of bands were kind of doing. Well, a lot of bands still do. You know. Yeah. Um, like they have a banger that's a single and they try and sell a record for it. And that was. But that, we were the opposite. There were no bangers. It there was, was just a sound. And the sound new slang was, was consistent and kind of fresh. New slang is pretty big. Yeah, new slang was the banger, I guess. Yeah. But it's an anti-banger. It's such a slow, right. moody kind of like yeah. cry song. Right. You know, it's not like a fist pumping, no. windows down, driving and 80 think, miles and, on the highway. And, and I think that's why I was like, I don't like them. Because I was like, I'm tough. I drink beers yeah. all day. Yeah. And then like, it, it was like. It was a sensitive side. Which a lot of people weren't yeah. willing to admit. No. Had. And it was like, finally, I was like, you know, I had to go to my girlfriend. I was like, I think the shins are actually, I, I actually, uh, I actually think they're pretty good. Yeah. And she's like, you, you what? I was like, I think the shins are pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I told you they were. Yeah. I was like, they were. See, I knew you had a heart. And we had to rewatch, we had to rewatch Garden State. And uh, I've watched it many times since. Yeah. And it's such a great film. It's such a. So okay. how, how this did This might shock you. Yeah. I have never seen that movie. How on earth have you never <laughs> seen that? I've never seen it. 
Wow, wow. So maybe with this anniversary, yeah. uh, it's the perfect opportunity to do it. Because I was telling you earlier, like, yeah. I haven't kind of deep dove yeah. into the listen, the videos, the, you know, the, 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 the remembering and the flow of all of the the imagery and the memories like I really haven't dove into that right. but ever since the announcement of the 20th anniversary I knew that it was going to happen mm-hmm. so I'm probably going to have one of those nights soon where I crack open the photos I put on the record and maybe I watch a few videos and probably have a good cry and a good laugh because well, it's a lot of everything you know yeah. like thinking back on it it's a lot of like highs and lows laughs and but like also a lot of stress Um, I mean the journey was crazy and that being the beginning is magic you know because that's Mm. that was the beginning and it's such a that part is so fun and it it makes me it warms me to think of like the opportunity we were given and like the, the journey we took from it right so those early roots memories are just are usually nothing but good but you know it turns like the road life and like being successful takes its toll on you and it can do things to your mental health and physical health as well. So thinking back on O Inverted World, it's the pure young. We were so young and fresh. <laughs> yeah. And all the I'm sure you've seen all the pictures yeah. in the liner notes. We're like kids, you kids. know. Yeah. Just little kids. I mean in two thousand one I was twenty six. Yeah. I was twenty six years old. That you're a kid when you're twenty six. Well and and you also have to think and I mean, you know, this is this is crazy, but it's like June nineteenth, two thousand and one. You know, that's what uh, July, August, three months until like the United States, like we were just like modern day Pearl Harbor. You know? Oh yeah, the nine eleven happened, and it's yeah, like, it was right before that. You guys were just like wide eyed and like you know out in the world, and you know you're just blowing up, and you know everything's happening, and then boom. Did that put a damper on everything? Like, did that? I mean, it was extremely tragic, and uh, and uh, we felt the yeah. repercussions in the world of like travel and safety, and because remember it was like at airports, like security went crazy and heightened, oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. so it was pretty obvious that the world was a dangerous place and a really messed up place with evil, uh, oh, undertones. like people with like a lot of of like uh, really really scary amount of ways to mess with you like yeah. all these these new like chemical warfare and like oh, terrorism yeah. it was like suddenly like oh my god this is really scary so that was like a slap in the face and like a wake-up call um and it definitely affected travel at the time we were like it was scary it was scary yeah we went to new york shortly after and talked to our and got like a, a tour from our booking agent who mm-hmm. robin taylor um she was great well, and she showed, she took us there, and it was like smoldering rubble still. Geez. It was intense. Well, did you guys... Okay, so you talked about touring. For this record, once, once that movie came out, were you guys like touring in like a van? Were you like in a bus? We were touring in a van pretty much up until Garden State. <laughs> really? Yeah. We were touring in the, in the Ford Econoline. Oh, wow. The red one, which... Uh, I believe James gave away as part of a contest. Oh, what? Yeah. He, it was like a somebody, it was like a, uh, I forget what the contest was. It might have been submit a cover of your favorite Shins song. Oh, or it might have been like 
tell your favorite Shin's memory or something. But he had a he had a contest and he gave that van away. That's amazing. So somebody has that van. Ford out of Connelly. But we like- toured in that and it was very it was reliable, it was faithful. We had a couple uh, trips to the shop, of course. We killed a Toyota van at one point. Actually, we killed two vans. We killed a Vanagon that, like, we cracked the engine block, and wow. then we killed a Toyota van, too. But that Ford van lasted us for years. What would you do when, like, you killed it? Like, did you just, like... Oh, we'd had to, like, call James's dad to come rescue us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were wow. stuck in San Francisco after we killed the and his, Vanagon. And his dad would show up and be like, Ugh. Uh, Yeah, he was like, music. And it was their old daycare van, because his dad's... <laughs> used to run a daycare oh. peanut butter and jelly so you could tell there were like stickers removed from the side of the van and you could see the ghost uh <laughs> like logo of peanut butter and jelly daycare <laughs> on our van but we killed that one we you cracked the engine block uh-huh. and then we we had to rent a u-haul and his dad had to come like rescue us because oh, we were all broke then too you should have named the band uh peanut butter and jelly daycare <laughs> yeah Den tour with Sunny Day Real Estate. Hey, Denver, we're uh, Peanut Butter and Jelly Daycare. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the show. The Green Chili Jam Band and Sunny Day Real Estate. Nice. Um, that's the, His dad's like showing up. Yeah. I told you this music ain't shit, ain't going to go nowhere. <laughs> no, I don't know what his dad was like. You're never going to make it. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't, you're never going to make it. You ain't going to make it. Yeah, we pretty quickly after the, the, the popularity of Garden State... The first album started mm-hmm. to sell more. Yeah. And the first album still, to this date, has sold more than either of the other... Right. Well, the other two that I've been involved in. Any other Shins album, for that matter. Right. It's still the best-selling. And apparently, it's gone platinum, but they have to do something with the official count of digital versus... I guess there's a birthday going on behind this. Happy birthday. But it's the best-selling one, and it's by far because Garden State gave it a new trajectory. Right. What, uh, what were those shows like... When you were traveling around in this Econo van or the van again or whatever, what were those shows like? Were they just like small bars, small clubs, small? They were smaller clubs, yeah. Uh-huh. They were some of them like, I mean, a lot of them. Not poor attendance, but small shows. Shows that you would consider successful in that you got a guarantee. Oh. And there were maybe two or three fans there that had heard the record and were really into it, you know? Oh, wow. And then... You know, maybe a 40-person crowd at some of these places, you know? But then maybe some of the bigger cities, you'd get a couple hundred people. Oh, damn. And it depended on who you were touring with, too, you know? Any Modest Mouse show that we we did was well-attended, mm-hmm. and we would get new fans. Like, we would turn on new fans were you guys with their shirts? shows every were you time. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were selling shirts we screen-printed. Yeah. We, our friend Ron Skrasik would, like, help us um, burn the screens. Like, he had all the, like acetate or whatever you use to burn a screen right uh james would typically like designer or neil at the time was very like uh artistic and crafty he was he would doodle a lot so some of his doodles would become stickers and shirts oh james had a couple like ideas but we'd burn screens and we'd sit there like a couple nights before tour in that living room of 1620 and we would just hand screen shirts like shirts we found at thrift stores, like blank shirts. Oh, nice. Or shirts we'd buy. <laughs> I forget. We'd buy we, bulk shirts. We, we have one medium and 14 larges. I'm sorry. We it's kind of what, what happened. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd, the next <laughs> night, we'd, they would dry overnight. Yeah. And then the next night, we would iron them to make sure the... the yeah. We'd like put paper over them and iron the, the ink to make it stay. And then we'd roll them up and we'd like put painter's tape around them and put an M or an L or an ah. S. <laughs> yeah. And wow. then we'd put those in a plastic tub and that would be the, sh- the merch tub. Oh, damn. 
So, like, what was the smallest crowd you played for in front of in, during that time? Oh, we would play. I mean, we were playing wherever we could. Mm-hmm. So I would say some shows there were like seven or eight people. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's rough. And it's like, but I mean, it's also like amazing. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, "Yeah, man, I'm playing. I'm, I'm trying my best." Yeah. And there's only like seven or eight people showing up. You know, the Shins had seven or eight people. And then all of a sudden, Zach Braff's like, hey, I like this music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know. It, it's You just got to work. You got to yeah. keep going and play those shows in front of no one. Um, and have those tours where you have a couple of hits and a couple of misses. Yeah. Because the good times are enough. To, and, the, and the touring experience in itself, connecting with people in different cities, traveling with people who are your friends, which we were. Right. Is in itself gratifying. And, and it's like living the dream. You know, it's like. When I was in high school, thinking I'd be in, like, wanted to be in a band, just being able to tour is kind of a dream. Where, however many people are at the shows, just being able to map out, like, oh, we got twelve shows in two weeks, you know? It's exciting. It's like, yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah. So some of those are total duds, you know. A couple of them are in like some kid's mom's living room. Like we played some house shows, where they were like, "How did we get? Well, like this is crazy. How did this happen?" But but, but you're happy. It's for all it. part of the experience, and it was all fun. I mean, it's all memories that like make you appreciate it even more and more the more you can do it. Yeah. So now that you're looking back on it, what songs? Whenever you would play. I mean, because you, you, you when you're out on tour, you're playing that first record. You're, that's all you're playing. Yeah. What were some of the covers you guys? Because did you guys have to do some covers to like extend the show a little bit, or do you oh, remember? Man, that's a good question. I mean, I know later we had some covers. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we did "Breathe" by Pink Floyd eventually. Because <laughs> you only have like so many songs. Yeah. You know? We. Um, I don't think we did back then. Really? Because also. If we're we're opening slot during yeah. those tours, we're like oh, sure, usually sure. first. Okay. Um, I mean, sometimes it'd be a headlining show, but our set would be thirty minutes max yeah. usually. Because you know that what? First we might have done a cover or two back yeah. then, but I don't. I can't really recall what they would be. Because that's there's eleven songs on that record. I mean, yeah. Well, so so okay. Well, when the record takes off, how are you headlining a show with eleven songs? How does that work? How, when how are we headlining? Yeah, with eleven songs. Uh, typically, we weren't. We were usually support. We were support yeah. for this band called Preston School of Industry, who is one of the guys from Pavement. That's a great name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Scott. It's Scott from Pavement, yeah. and uh, we but at, but we at some opened point. for them, and almost that was one of those tours that we uh, we had like meltdowns. We were constantly broke. We were barely enough gas money to get to the next city. Yeah. We were like, is this it, it was pre or post? Pre or post? Uh, oh, uh, this is pre Garden State. No, but post Garden State, you guys had to head start headlining. It oh somewhere. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at that time we had two records. When okay. Garden State hit, Shoots Too Narrow was already out. Oh, that's right. So that's, when Garden State okay. came out, we had two albums worth of stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was I was like, man. So, so it you- was making our shows bigger, and we were able to play like the greatest hits. We uh, could play the best stuff from. From O Inverted World, and also push like, ah. you know, like Saint Simon and and um, Mine's Not a High Horse, and like stuff from from Shoots to Know, ah, okay. Kissing the Lipless, Kissing. Like Jesus. we were touring for both records. That see that that makes more sense now. Okay, it absolutely made us realize though that that people wanted to hear O Inverted World stuff, like Carrying is Creepy and yeah. New Slang. We had to play right. 
Not uh, Girl Informed. And we would like. No, we play Girl Informed. Yeah. We would we would mix the setup, but those two we had to play, and we would typically play. Carrying is creepy as an encore, and people would just lose their minds. Okay, because it starts that way where he kind of goes, I think, and then I do the yeah. little delayed keyboard thing, kind of yeah. like that little wash comes through, uh, and people. It was awesome to hear people's reaction to that song uh, from so that movie. What's the so okay so so after you've you know Garden State comes out, you guys have exploded. You, you've toured for like two years. Yeah. What what, what songs were you tired of? We're like, uh, when it would come up, you're like, we gotta play it. Um, yeah. New slang. New slang. Was it really? <laughs> well, only because it's like, it's a very I I do I do very minimal things on it. Yeah. So I try and respectfully kind of bow my head, you know, because yeah. it's not a song where you're like jamming. The other people are, you know, you're not nobody's supposed to be jumping around. No. Like Dave was typically super energetic for a lot of the like peppier, you know, pop songs. But in that song, you gotta kind of just stand still and like let James like, and people wanted to connect with that song too. Yeah. So you can't really. So it was one of those songs where I'm just like, I need to like, just fold my arms and <laughs> like bow my head, you know. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I think I played a shaker and a little keyboard line here and there. Yeah. I, it wasn't like it wasn't enjoyable, but it was just like the moment I had to like, okay, like turn off the kind of crazy. Because that's the other thing is I was like, I talked a lot of on the microphone. I like to tell jokes. I like to kind of yeah. break the ice. James was not shy, but he definitely did not talk as yeah. much as I did. And he, and he actually, like, he would encourage me to do so. Right. Because he typically is very focused on delivering the songs to you the best he can. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the kind of the guy that's just like, is everybody having fun? Right. Like, I wanted to make sure everyone was you're having the, a good time. You had you know? the banter in between the yeah, songs. Yeah, it was a lot of the banter. Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, and I mean, I know you very well now, so I know that that's exactly how you are. Yeah, yeah. You're just like that guy that's like, that, you know, if there's a, if there's a yeah. awkward silence, you... Oh, you, an you, awkward you, silence after the end of a song is like the worst, the weirdest thing yeah. for me. Awkward like silence people in like clap and then James yeah. might be tuning and I'm like oh my god it's been quiet for like 15 seconds that's you like, in I life I need to though. say something <laughs> you're like that in life though if there's an awkward silence in life you're like yeah. you yeah. come in and you like splash it which is which yeah. is amazing it's insert like pun or stupid fart joke yeah. well that's that's always needed <laughs> yeah. you're that person sometimes that's all you need yeah and so like now looking back on it all on this record I mean, it's such a landmark record. Uh, post 2000, that to me, in my opinion, it's one of the biggest records that's ever come out. I mean, and for it to, you know, you you can look back and say I did something that that that, that touched people, and like there's a 20th anniversary version, and people are buying it up. Yeah. How do, how does that hit you? Um, I mean, like you say, it makes me feel like I'm part of a kind of a legacy, you know, I'm yeah. part of something that had a somewhat of an impact on changing music a little bit. Yeah. I don't think that's an exaggeration. No. I think no, no, the no, no. label Sub Pop at the time kind of wasn't sure what they were doing and they were taking chances on different bands. They didn't necessarily have a defined genre of what they were because I remember some of the bands they were, were signing then were really heavy, like rockabilly like uh trash gutter punk or i'm not i'm not sure what they, they were they were signing all kinds of bands and we were definitely like we stuck out as like whoa we're like the wussy like 
there's a word the keyboard pop bands and all these other bands like they would nah, there's no keyboard in any of these right. you know so at the time they were like they were l- looking for new stuff you yeah. could tell that um, they really liked us and they kind of believed we were doing something interesting and different um, because they they promoted us they promoted the hell out of us and they were very supportive and you know they a label like that fronts a lot of money for you to get things done you know videos and mm-hmm. they absolutely pushed us and then I mean it paid off getting lucky with the Garden State thing was absolutely a game changer but like Sub Pop believed in us and then they started to sign different bands like you know they started to sign your Iron and Wines and Postal Services and I think the Thermals were a band that they were signing at the time that's a label that that Nirvana started with yeah yeah so it started as a very heavy label like Mud Honey um, and like Tad and all these like it was like a grunge label you know yeah it was a Seattle, very Seattle label. Oh, yeah. Um, Are they in Seattle? Yeah, totally. Okay. So they kind of took a chance on us, but in a way that they really believed in us. And to this day, a lot of them are still there. Megan and Stuart, our A&R guy, and Tony. Like, those guys believed in us and were like, you know, they li- they liked the record. And you could yeah. tell they listened to it a lot. And um, So you, you feel a good push from people who genuinely like what you're doing and support you and of course we were like kids and being on any label was just crazy Anything. being signed was yeah. like especially unreal especially now when like a label a label's not necessarily necessary like but it's like it's like that old school like the 90s and the 2000 like the early 2000s were like the end of that era where yeah. like the label, you know, the end all be all is you got to get on a label. Yeah. And then not only do you get on a label, you got on a label that Nirvana was on. You got a label, you know, that, you know, Mud Honey was on. You know, these these legendary bands. Mm-hmm. And and then you, and then in the process, you became a legendary band. And so now it's like, yeah. it's all come full circle. Like Sub Pop is still there. Yeah. Where a lot of people aren't, labels aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Let's talk about like the music video for uh, um, New Slang. So I didn't know, I remember, like, so I'm, you know, I'm not as big as music nerd as you are. So I remember when that music video, I remember watching it. And then, like, finally, you, you, like, I'm watching it with, talking, we're talking about it with you. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we were doing a bunch of different album covers. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, I had no idea. That was the, that was Lance Bang's idea, was yeah. to live action replicate a few, like, indie classic records. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in various locations in Albuquerque. So, yeah, so at one point, James is driving in his car, and... Um, you can see San Pedro. There's a, yeah, there's a uh, uh, San Pedro on it, yeah. and it's like the Mike Watts, like Firehose record, yeah. right? And then there's, there's a Slint album where we're in the Rio Grande. There's a Slint record where they're all in a river, like, with their heads sticking up. That was so in the Rio a Slint Grande? Record, and there's a Squirrel Bait record, oh, no. yeah, where the kid's biting a Walkman, and at one point, James bites his Walkman. Yeah. And then we're at a dump or a, a scrapyard yeah. with a car, like a car graveyard, and that's Husker Du's in arcade. Yeah, that's like where the there's like Technicolor like cars like if, stacked on each other. If you go on the YouTube, watch it on YouTube. Underneath, some dude says every single record cover. Yeah, all the way down. There's there's multiple Husker Du. Okay. Records, but then at one at one point, James is in front of Burnside. The skate, yeah, the skate so park. it was at the beginning of James essentially moving and relocating to Portland. So that video is kind of like bittersweet in that way. It's like the last you really get 
of the Albuquerque right. before you know he full on embraces Portland. Yeah. Because um, I mean, we existed for a good portion of that first record in Albuquerque, but essentially he moved to Portland and kind of never looked back. Yeah. So the, that's another thing that's magic about that first record is that it's all tied to Albuquerque. Right. Recorded in a little, a little apartment that he lived in, recorded like vocals in a closet. Um, I recorded the keyboard parts on his bed because he didn't even have another chair. <laughs> um, I sat with a like, little Cassia tone in my lap and didn't even have a delay pedal. Like he had to add the, add the delay later. Like and that's, it was like and that's what you hear on the record. Bones, yeah. That's what you hear so on the, the, all of my sessions were in his apartment on his bed, playing a Casio. <clears throat> I think I did a little guitar on it too on that record, but. Yeah, on a computer using Cool Edit Pro, which is like <laughs> such a basic. It's like print shop for recording software. Um, so amazing. So yeah, I mean, like the roots of that record will always be very like, uh, you know, here like rooted in in Albuquerque. Yeah, it was pl- planted here. The seeds were planted here. It grew. We grew here. Yeah, and that record is definitely an Albuquerque record. And, and and I think that that's, like, I think people here have a special place for it, like, even to a point where they're, like, angry about certain things. But, yeah. You know, but that's fine. Yeah. But, like, that's Albuquerque. That's and some just, people don't even like remasters. Some people are like, don't mess with it. It was fine the way it was. Yeah. Because we remastered that Flake record, too, and there were yeah. a lot of people that were like, well, there was nothing wrong with it. Right. Why'd you do that? Right. Which is also a great record. So, go check that out. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think. Are you good? Do you want to talk about some more? No, I think I'm good. Another yeah. funny little detail, though, about that new slang video yeah. was um, Neil was all, uh, Neil's a hot air balloon pilot, okay. and he was he started then being a professional. Okay. Like AOL, AOL hired him. Remember AOL? I worked. There. So he flew the AOL balloon. Oh no, wow! So he would leave like on a tour to do that. So during the filming of that video, he was gone. So my girlfriend at the time, Elise, okay. is in that video as Neil. So it's four of us, and she's the fourth person. <laughs> so it's me, Jesse, James, and Elise. Oh, so wow. if anybody didn't know anything about the band, they would have just assumed, like, oh, there's a pretty girl in that band. <laughs> I, like, I wondered that myself. I was yeah. like, who is this girl in the band? Yeah. You know, like, why, Does she play in the band? Yeah. And she's in the Know Your Onion video, too. Like, because we're... Okay. That's the video with that St. Bernard that yeah. comes and, like, rescues us in yes. different ways. yes. And one other tiny little funny tidbit about that video is that that's also a Lance Bangs video. My parts, I had this kind of like fluffy mop. I had a kind of a long hairdo, a, a, like an afro, basically, and this corduroy jacket. And we filmed it, <clears throat> and maybe a few weeks later or a month later, Lance uh, was like, oh my God, a couple of these shots didn't turn out. We need to shoot, uh, reshoot a couple things. And I had cut all my hair uh. off and I had sold that jacket to Buffalo <laughs> Exchange. So we had to track down a jacket that kind of looked like it. And I'm wearing a fucking wig in that in that video. I have to rewatch so it. So for now. parts of that video where I like give her the ring, I like propose to her, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a black curly wig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to it's re- ridiculous, I'm gonna have dude. To Once it, you man. notice it, I'm like, oh my god, that's hilarious. You're wearing like a thrift store wig, that you know, and the shit like that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, though, man. I'm I'm so excited for this. I'm so yeah. excited for you. Thanks. I man. love the record. I uh, I love the shins, and in uh, I love you as a person. I think you're Thanks, a great Chris. guy. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, if you guys you know you guys you know love the shins, 
go out and buy this on vinyl. If you don't have a record player, buy it on vinyl and then buy a record player. <laughs> yeah. I mean... It, Support it, physical media. Oh, it's God. a wonderful thing to hold a piece of music in your hands yeah. that, you know, you can, you can like... Yeah. Glide your fingers across and then pull out the liner notes and yeah. read the lyrics as you're listening. And yes. it's a wonderful thing. I'm addicted to physical media because I love that feeling. I, I just want to explain this. I got this yesterday. I got three packages yesterday. And I knew exactly which one was the record. So I, I waited till I was off work and I walked out and I cut it open and I get the record out. And it's inverted from what the original record is. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's white. white and then the little the yeah. little itch bombs are blue. Yeah, and then, and then you pull out the inside and it's blue. And then uh, it comes with a book that's inside. And we're talking like $22 for this. Yeah, it was really inexpensive, Yeah, which kudos to Sub Pop for doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Then I pull the, the actual <clears throat> physical vinyl out of the sleeve. And it is beautiful. Yeah. And I just go, whoa. And I, I like, to, like, no one else is in my house. And I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about it. So I'm still waiting for mine. Definitely. And by the way, that cover is also very Albuquerque. Those yeah. are itch bombs. Yeah. Whatever they're actually called. Right. That, there was a tree growing outside of James's apartment, and he took that picture. Those, you know, those yeah. little spiky Oh, you would stick them down someone's throw, sh- and it would, yeah. yeah, itch bombs. You'd stick them down <laughs> someone's shirt, and it would itch. That's yes. also very Berkey. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, taking this time to let for me sure. interview you. Uh, thank you for Holmes Pizza for letting us sit here and take up real estate. Uh, it's delicious Holmes Pizza. Yeah, check out uh, you know Owen Verder World, the 20 year anniversary edition, loser edition from Sub Pop. Go buy your copy. Do it. Yeah, Thanks. we're gonna go play some video games. Yes.